This is the Nomad Futurist Podcast, a podcast about the evolution of technology, society, and transformation. Connect with us, share your thoughts with us at nomadfuturist.com. Let's get this started. Here are Phil and Nabil. Ladies and gentlemen, boys and girls, children of all ages, please welcome Harry Getz. When the applause starts. <laughs> there you go. Carrie, thank you very much for taking the time to join us today. You've been on the podcast before. We've talked about the Nomad Futures Foundation and the initiative. And it's just awesome that you took the time and the opportunity to write up your book, Jumpstart Your Career in Data Centers. So could you start by sharing what drove you to write that book? Because... When you tell somebody that they should get a job in the data center industry or they should consider the data center industry, it turns into a big Scooby-Doo conversation. You say, hey, get a job in data centers. And like, because nobody knows what it is. And so I decided that if we're going to solve the talent shortage problems in the industry and we're going to solve the on-ramps and gender parity and diversity and all the million other initiatives that are needed in the industry, first off, we need people to know what the industry is. And so I wanted to write something that was short, sweet, under 200 pages, easily digestible in a weekend if somebody's going on a job interview or if there's a kid thinking about career paths and some of the things you could do, or even somebody that's into the industry that hates where they are and they want to leave and explore other parts of the industry. I wanted something that ties it all together and not just from a colo perspective where we look at building insight and power. But all the way through where we look at coding and project management, and all of the other skills that that come about to make this industry work. The only thing I heard was. <laughs> <laughs> well, you're what's already the in the data center business. What's, field. what's the other? What's the other? What's the other Scooby Doo thing? <laughs> you know, yeah, there you go. Left. I don't yeah, do that well. Enough. You got to do the left. <laughs> well, after someone reads your book, they'll go from. <laughs> to <laughs> There you go. The uh, how hard is it to write a book? I mean, I, look, I, I'm I'm awestruck by people that can take a blank page and put words on it and make them coherent. Uh, that in and uh, of itself is is really really difficult. How do you go? I imagine like author was not something you thought about yourself. You know, when you were when you were like formulating a, a career path. Yo, I didn't think about a career in data centers either. As far as that goes, <laughs> of course, no, did, neither did anybody my age because they didn't exist back then. Right. So, yeah, it is a very long, arduous, crazy process, but I enjoy technical writing. So, uh, you know, it was really kind of a labor of love to put over 40 years of experience on on a piece of paper. And to be fair, you know, a lot of that experience has been very graciously bestowed upon me by other people in the industry that were kind enough to answer questions ad nauseum, probably. And it, it helped, you know, because the industry has grown and everybody that's in this industry has grown with it. So it's definitely not like it used to be. And the opportunities are just literally everywhere. Yeah, I think the biggest challenge that you probably came across, and correct me if I'm wrong, is like 200 pages for over 200 jobs. How did you consolidate all of that? I mean, we are the, the, the fastest growing industry. We've got the most sub-verticals in our industry. I mean, how did you consolidate all of that whereby to create an interest level for the, the the younger generation and also people that are currently in transition. So what I did is I tried to take it from an ecosystem. And instead of highlighting each individual job, I tried to talk about overall how each individual part fits in the ecosystem. So for instance, you know, if you're considering a job in coding, 
right? A lot of people think you have to be in code to be in tech, which could not be farther from the truth. It's a little minuscule part of tech, but it's a piece of it. You hear so, that, coders? You are a minuscule part of what we do. Oh, God, anytime you look in the mirror, anytime you look in the mirror and you think, oh, I'm a coder, I'm cool. <laughs> Gary gets this minuscule part. Of the industry, wide industry, industry. But there, you know, there's, there's jobs for coders literally everywhere in the industry, but a ton of other things too. So why, if you're a coder, do you care about power and cooling in the data center? Why do you care about how good your code is or whether it's going to be cloud native or it's not? Why, if you are an electrician and you're interested in power, why do you care about cooling and site selection? And why do you care about code and requirements and power you know, limits? And why does DCIM fit in there? So what I tried to do is just kind of take the ecosystem and then I break it down. Here's a concept. We need a data center, right? It all starts there, right? And then from there, here's what, here's the things that we're going to consider if we're picking a site and trying to figure out if we're going to build. And this would be true if it's enterprise or colo. And then I kind of broke apart some of the brownfield and greenfield differences. And then once the site is picked here, let's move on to construction. So here are some of the jobs in construction. There, these are the considerations that go into the construction phase. This is the building envelope. This is the white space design and how it all comes together in the middle. And here's the occupants for the servers and the networking and the storage. And here's some of the standards they look at. And this is why they need to care. Because at the end of the day, I think what a lot of people forget is that the data center is an ecosystem. And if one piece or part of that janks up, it janks the rest of the ecosystem. And I also think that that's one of the things that that really hurts people from staying in the industry is because they get stuck in one of those small silos. And they don't realize there's, you know, 700 jobs around them in all the other silos. So I wanted something that could give that kind of a cross-pollination, for lack of a better thing. And there's sustainability. There's talk about power. There's all that kind of stuff in there. Yeah, I think the uh, you touched on a lot of things that I think we should we should get into. But the, as I hear you, the I, I'm reminded by why I love you. And the reason I love you is because it's so plain spoken. I mean, you know, you speak to people that that are in our industry that you know, tend to overcomplicate answers to questions because they want to have an outsized perspective of how smart they are or how complicated and how difficult their job is. And, and, and folks like us that kind of came into this industry as this industry was starting, we were, we all kind of learned on the fly what was important. We didn't have the, the, I mean, to a certain extent, it's a detriment, but the benefit of, of having a company that compartmentalized us because we had to learn everything and recognize that one, crucial point, which is that every element around the data center, every element around to a certain extent an application is impacted by by the other things, right? You can't you can't compartmentalize how important cooling or power is in a particular data center. And it's that kind of matter of fact language. It's it's putting it in words that people can understand because these are concepts they deal with in their own houses, in their own lives that just, you know, apply to the data center in a way that I think people that are not carry gets tend to overcomplicate. So, so thank you. Yeah. I mean, yeah. I, when I started looking out there to see what was available, there's an 800 page textbook and nobody is going to sit down and read an 800 page textbook over the weekend just to see if they're interested in the industry. And I didn't want it to be that, you know, somebody wants to go down the technical path or whatever. That's great. But look at the talent shortage we have today. In a third of this industry is supposed to gray out by 2025. That's three years. 
And we're not going to fix this with everybody spending five or six years getting a degree. Only 31% of the population even has a four-year degree. And a four-year degree is not necessarily relevant to anything that we do. About 85% of our jobs, I would say, unless you need a PE stamp or an architectural stamp or something along those lines, the majority of our jobs do not require a degree. And here's the other side. If you're a veteran or you're starting out in the industry, you can start one of those jobs and these multi-billion dollar companies have tuition reimbursement. If you want to go on and get your degree, go on and get it without student debt. Go on and get that paid for, but at least get in the industry enough to figure out what you want. Look how many people are working. I think I read the other day that 77% of adults are working in an industry that has nothing to do with their degree. Yeah. And I mean, we give students the tools to figure out if they're going to enjoy it first before they go get a degree in it. Right. Yeah. Well, you know what, Kerry, they say common sense is not that common and we have not had an industrial, uh, I mean, we have not had an educational reform since the second industrial revolution. Oh my God. Nabil almost got his catchphrase wrong. Yeah, we, exactly. Know, we kind of need to go back to that <laughs> because honestly, you know, Think about the trades. I cover the trades in this book for a very good reason. And I'm a firm believer in the trades. People, the people that work with their hands deserve all the respect. We need people that do stuff. And we owe the trades everything. If it were not for the trades, nothing would get built and none of us would have a job. So let's stop putting them on the bottom of the totem pole and put them on the top. Indeed. I think the programmers would say that they program with their hands also. So just, I, I just want to leave that. Look at how many coders. There are 12-year-old millionaires from writing code, right? Look how accessible coding has gotten now, especially with low-code, no-code. So why don't we stop with the barriers? That's the whole point of the book. Stop the barriers. The trades absolutely have a purpose. And, you know, I honestly, I have a really soft spot for the trades because I love doing woodworking and I, and I love that kind of stuff. And I'm built on, yeah, way too much stuff. But, but the point is, there's a sense of pride when you get done with something and you create something with your hands. And I feel bad for the trades because they miss out on all the wows, right? They know that they did a job well done. They leave the data center. They feel good because the work is pretty. It's all pristine. But what they miss is when people come in and see that for the first time or the students come in on their first data center tour and they look at this and they just. Yeah, I mean, look, I think yes. you, if you, the they're, they're miss a... that. There, there are uh, there are entire like LinkedIn tracks about you know just looking at at, at conduits and the way conduits are bent cable and, and right cable porn is cable <laughs> porn uh, not not for you twelve year old billionaires yes, yes. Uh, not out that there kind. but right, not but that it's 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 incredible to see like the the benefit the value of workmanship and and and, and all that and, and you're right you know I, many more often than not look they they have a sense of fulfillment because that that's just what they love to do. But but to see the reaction of someone that's not in that world, I think would would give them a, a really kind of over the top impact. Yes, that goes with this, too, that we need to start getting people doing called DC Day in the Life. And that's so everybody in this industry can go do a little video short, put it on TikTok, Instagram, whatever your whatever your platform is. Hashtag DC Day in the Life. Hashtag your job title. Do a little video short about what your typical day looks like and what you do. And then we're hoping to get the biggest database of online job descriptions that exists so that we can start demystifying some of this stuff in the industry to go along with this book. Plus, we have two years of podcasts to go with it, too. Absolutely. Well, I think you've done an absolutely phenomenal job in putting this together. 
You've also made it very, very simple for an average person to be able to pick this up and understand the the level of criticality and the opportunity that there is on a go-forward basis. I mean, we are in the data rush era, right? I mean, I don't, even with my hair, I don't believe I'm actually going to go back to be a caveman. Um, we are. If uh, anyone I'm can pull it off, though. If anyone can pull it off. <laughs> well, <I> mean, <laughs> <laughs> point being is that this was needed and this is the right timing to launch the book. And I just want to bring it forth to to the listeners that Kerry Getz has been very generous in partnering up with Nomad Futurist Foundation. Uh, so, Kerry, do you mind just sharing your vision as to the, the strategic partnership and alliance that we've actually put forth for our listeners? Yeah. So the idea here is that a portion of the proceeds are going to go to Nomad Futurist. We're going to find some areas that could benefit from tech that don't have it. We're going to look at um, some of the opportunities through micro works and trades and some of the veterans organizations and see where we can make a very impactful difference. I'm so happy that you guys had partnered with me to be that conduit to make that happen. So, you know, if anybody's interested, go buy 10, 15 books, hand them out. A portion of that goes to Nomad Futurist. And then we will be keeping people updated with all the good that we're doing. I think, I, look, I, I think it's it's tremendous. I, I'm really excited about partnering with you on this. And I think, you know, one of the things, you know, we talked about in, in previous conversations was this notion of taking this book, which is already like got us to third base, you know, starting with a blank page. Man, oh man, I don't know how you did it. I really don't know how you did it. But but translating this book, not into just other languages so we can make sure that we have a diverse, because this is a global industry. This is not just something that happens in Virginia, New York, and I was going to say Hawaii, but it doesn't really happen that much in Hawaii. But you know, we're one of our target demographics, of course, is children and taking a book like this and translating into something that's consumable for kids. So they 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 understand not just, you know, how technology works, but why technology works, which is a, a core element of the mission that has always resonated with me because, you know, my kids knew how to use the iPad before then you had to talk. And it's it's just it's, it's incredible in that it's it, yes, it's called Jumpstart Your Career in Data Centers. But I think we are all consuming the digital world on an hourly basis, if not a minute by minute basis. And and knowledge is power, which I'm trying to balance with ignorance is bliss. But in this particular case, knowledge is power. And I think the stuff that you learn from your book is applicable, not even if you don't necessarily see yourself entering the data center career, but have a fundamental like desire to understand how the stuff that you're using in your daily life actually works why it works and what happens and why what happens when it goes bad so that when TikTok goes down or Facebook goes down, you don't just slap the side of your computer over and over again to see if it turns back on again. Or your phone. Or your phone. <laughs> yeah, I mean, I think that we have a responsibility, those of us that help build this technical generation that we're in right now, to make sure that it is kind, it's honest, and it's available to everybody. And I think, you know, from a career standpoint, all the way through to your point, just making sure that people do that better. I mean, there is a carbon cost. There's a sustainability cost to sending around those great little pictures and jokes. And I think, you know, people can be smarter consumers about that if they understand kind of the inner workings and, and how it all fits together. Yeah, and it, this could potentially also eliminate the barriers and the the tunnel vision that we as technologists have actually started to live for the, the little spaces that we work in by encouraging other, you know, point of views, whereby if you're not in the industry uh, and uh, you've got a different point of view in approaching or solving a problem or addressing, you know, ESG initiative with carbon neutrality, that's uh, a, a big thing on a go forward basis to bring that forth to awareness with people 
you know, that are in the space. Well, and that's where the ideas are going to come from, right? The ideas are going to come from having these diverse people. Like I had a guy one time jump all over me because I posted something on LinkedIn about diversity. It's like, what is diversity by you? And I said, well, are you married? And he said, yeah. So have you ever lost your car keys and you told your wife could find your car keys and she walked right up to him and picked him up? That's what diversity buys you. It's a different way of looking at the same situation, right? And that's I think the, it's that's the point spoken of. There it is. There, there that, that is Carrie gets magic right there. That is yeah, there you go. <laughs> but I think if we start bringing in students from all different walks of life, tech is going to start adapting to be something that's much better for everybody that needs it and everybody that needs it and doesn't have access to it. So I, I hope all of this kind of works and get to that effort. Absolutely. Well, Kerry, we can't be thankful enough for you to be a part of the Nomad Futures Foundation. This book is so psyched really you guys a, with me. It's going to be great. This is really a kickstart and we're excited to work with you. And uh, listeners, go out and download this book or buy this book. It's available online. We will have a link uh, in the write-up here as well. And uh, a part of the donations are going to come in and we'll be developing some scholarship funds and platforms and technologies to enable people to get into the mission critical space. Carrie, thank you very much for taking the time to join us today. We are looking yeah. forward to a great partnership. Thanks so much, Carrie. Thanks Karen. so much, me too. <laughs> this has been great. Nothing lasts forever. Markets will come back, currencies will rebound, Businesses will go on, and we'll all move on. That could happen next week, next month, or next year. I'm confident that those who prepare rather than panic will come out of this stronger. Thank you for joining us. This has been brought to you by Nomad Futurist. Check us online at nomadfuturist.com. <laughs>